Hey everybody, I'm Tim Muma and you're locked into one of our latest creations on LJN Radio, a new podcast called You Do What? Here we check in on a variety of non-traditional jobs that lets you know you have many options in your career. You just need to utilize your own personal skills to succeed. It's more of a laid-back approach, but with some serious tips and advice. Now, many of us have flown on an airplane, but we probably give little thought to the fact that thousands of planes are up in the sky. Well, someone has to choreograph the flights or else disaster might ensue, which of course includes takeoff and landing. Well, our guest today is one of those individuals, an air traffic controller. Joining us from Chicago is Dan Carrico, the Chicago O'Hare Tower representative for the National Air Traffic Controllers Association. We appreciate you coming on today, Dan. Yeah, you're welcome. No problem. First of all, tell us a little bit about your job in summary, maybe even some of your experience as you've been in the business for a while. Just in general, what's sort of the summary of what you do? Well, air traffic controllers, uh, really, we just coordinate the uh, movement of the air traffic uh, and the planes within the sky and keep them a, a safe distance apart. Uh, most people think air traffic controllers, they probably think about the guys that are in the tower cab or girls in the tower cab. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of other, other moving parts to the system. You got the uh, terminal approach control radars, which handle uh, surface up to about uh, fifteen thousand feet. Okay. Then there's also the en route controllers who handle the uh, traffic from fifteen thousand feet up to all the way, you know, sixty thousand feet. And so it's definitely a complete team effort by a number of people just trying to make sure everything works safely and effectively. Oh, it is absolutely. I guess, you know, the question that I had and others have actually uh, brought up is what exactly attracted you to the industry, especially this specific area? Because a lot of people would think, well, if you're interested in planes, you'd become a pilot. So what sort of drew you to this area? What, what, what got you to this, to where you are? You know, honestly, nothing really attracted me to the uh, the field per se. I really stumbled into the industry by accident. That's fine. Hey, that's, that works out plenty well for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, you know, when it, when it really came up, I... Air traffic, I had no idea what it was. I was uh, 18 years old in the Marine Corps, and uh, a sergeant handed me a piece of paper and said, you're going to be an air traffic controller. <laughs> so I really had no idea at the time what a controller did. Uh, you know, I was like most people. I thought I was going to be one of those guys with the orange wands down there parking the plane. Right. <laughs> and uh, I take it you didn't want to do that, or? Oh, no. You know, I like I say, I just didn't have any clue what one was. And, sure. And they said, that's what you're going to do, so that's what I did. And, uh, you know, you just tend to... You know, you either love the career or hate the career, and I absolutely love it. Well, since you brought that up, I guess let's jump into that a little bit. What do you really enjoy about it? What makes you tick in terms of, you know, the, the type of duties you perform? Uh, and just really, like you said, you love it. Tell us why. You know, the one thing that, that really, really sets us apart is is just that, that drive to be successful and, and, and good at what we do. Uh, you know, the, the part that I think most people would say that they really like about our job or love about our job is, is when you hear a pilot with a very, very sincere thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, air traffic is is without much recognition and pretty much behind the scenes. But when you hear that that unsolicited thank you, that's that's one of the best parts about our job, I think. Now let's roll back a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned you being sort of not forced into it, but, but placed into that situation to start. In general, though, if we're looking at um, maybe the education side of things, or or somebody who is specifically looking to get into this field, what is sort of that that typical path? Even though you may have had a, a slightly different one, and, and others could follow, uh, what's sort of that that general pathway to to getting your position? Well, there there's kind of three different ways uh, to become an air traffic controller. Okay. Three three avenues to be hired. One is like myself, we call it a, a direct hire, meaning that you're hired by the FAA uh, with air traffic control experience from the military. Uh, you know, there's there's actually a lot of uh, veteran controllers who are now working in the civilian air traffic world. 
the other folks are, are those that go through the uh, college that specialize in air traffic. We call those CTIs or the uh, Collegiate Training Initiative Schools. Okay. Currently, there's about 36 of those in the United States. And then finally, the last one is, you know, last avenue is uh, what we call off-the-street hires. <laughs> uh, and off-the-street hires are, are, you know, those with uh, general work experience, progressively responsible work experience, and a, uh, a four-year degree or a four-year degree or a combination of the both. And it, and it doesn't have to be a degree in air traffic like the CTI guys. Mm-hmm. You know, off-the-street hires were, were, were pretty common a few years ago. When we had a staffing shortage under the other administration, previous administration. Sure. Um, you know, now it's more common for the FAA to hire the military, the CTI schools, because there's, there's more CTI schools than there used to be. But, you know, bottom line, everybody, when they get hired in the FAA, they got to go to the uh, FAA Training Academy in Oak City. Okay. Uh, which right now, due to the sequestration, that, that's kind of on a uh, right. hiring freeze. And it's closed down right now. But under typical circumstances... Uh, you know, the FAA hires uh, are given a date to show up to the academy. The new guys are given the date. Uh, they'll report there. It's about three months of training where they pretty much learn air traffic 101. So even if you go to an AT or a, one of those CTI schools, you're still getting some, some real basic air traffic and, and rules down in the academy. When they graduate the academy, then they go to their assigned facilities where they're continuing to train at a place like O'Hare or a busier facility. Mm-hmm. It could be up to two years of training. Um, oh, wow. just to achieve, uh, achieve your facility certification. And that, that's all ultimately what we're looking for is, you know, you want to get there and, and certify, uh, you know, and it really does depend on the length of training, but if you go to a, a lower level facility, uh, you know, a level five tower, as opposed to a level 12 in route facility, the training times get it very dramatically. Now, since you mentioned that, you know, there's sort of these different pathways to get there and, um, you know, to each his own specifically, but, I guess what sort of skills or personality do you see as really being necessary to succeed and thrive and have a long career like you have? Uh, just because it, it clearly you can come from different areas and not have that that straight path. So what would you point to as being essential, really? You know, most people can really do this job. You know, the one skill uh, that I think is really necessary is to be able to think three dimensionally. Hmm. Air traffic's like a puzzle; sure. uh, all the pieces need to fit correctly the first time. You know, the other ability that I think you need to have is to be able to concentrate no matter what's going on around you. In the tower cab and the radar rooms, uh, a lot of people are, a lot of commotion. People are talking to other airplanes. Things are moving, that kind of stuff. Uh, Someone who shows self-confidence, decisiveness, motivation to learn and always keep learning. I think those are the traits and, and what you'll do well with air traffic control. And I think what you brought up there is, is the part people think of is, you know, a, a lot of commotion going on and being able to concentrate on your singular area when you have, as you said, people talking to other airplanes and doing their own thing. I think that is the part that a lot of people are like, wow, I can't believe you're able to, to focus. I mean, do you have any tricks, so to speak, or ways that you're able to handle it and sort of focus in on what you need to do? You know, you just really learn to multitask. I can hear what the pilot's saying and I can hear what somebody behind me's saying. You really <laughs> just learn to multitask. Right. Well, let's walk through a little bit of a typical day, and I know it can be different for, for everybody, and um, you know, you mentioned that sort of different facets that go into it as well, but uh, maybe just what an average type day would be like in terms of um, just performing your, your duties, uh, assuming nothing out of the ordinary happens. All right. You know, I mean, well, I pull into work, I, I uh, clock in, you know, I read uh, what we call the uh, reading initial uh, binder, which is all the important stuff that we'll need to know before we even go upstairs into the tower cab and start working. Once we get up there, I'll go up to the tower cab. I'll wait to get uh, assigned a position. 
you know, there's various positions for each facility. Controllers, uh, you know, are trained in each position, and, and we rotate through them all. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, at O'Hare, we have uh, flight data and clearance delivery. These guys are the, the controllers who will give the uh, pilot the route of flight that air traffic wants them to fly. You can work ground metering, uh, which is basically you put the airplanes when they call for taxi into a queue for the uh, ground controller to work out to the runway. Then there's, you know, two different ground controls here at O'Hare, for example. We have an inbound ground controller who talks to the airplanes from the runway to the gates, and then an outbound ground controller. They talk to the airplanes from the uh, gates out to the runways. And then we have a couple of different local control positions, or commonly known as the tower, for the uh, pilots out there. Uh, these guys are clearing them to land and clearing them to take off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at any given time, you could, if you're a fully certified controller at the facility, you could assign any one of those positions. And then throughout the day, you'll also train people that aren't certified on those positions. So that's pretty much our day in a nutshell. Well, we talked a little bit about what uh, you know, what your duties are, what your roles are. You know, another thing that it comes to my mind. I mean, do you feel, or do any of your uh, you know coworkers feel stress or any kind of pressure, knowing that in essence you do have people's lives in your hands with the planes up in the air? Oh yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, our job's pretty stressful, and it comes with a lot of pressures, really. I try not to think of it as an ad context of having the people's lives in my hands. You know, I don't know if anybody could really work with that kind of uh, pressure and stress. Sure, sure. But I I mean, you know, for myself, who's not in the position, it it pops in, obviously. So, I mean, is there there a high turnover rate? I mean, with burnout or just sort of that stress getting to people? Are there like mandatory breaks people get in terms of time off? How does does that all work? Yeah, there's there's some, uh, some, some safeguards built into it, if you will. You know, the turnover, when you talk about the turnover and the burnout rate, there are some things that we put in that, that have controls on that. We do have uh, in our contract, we, we talk about break limitations and, and time on position limitations. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that, that we also look at is we have a mandatory uh, 56 retirement age. Oh, really? Uh, that, that helps kind of alleviate that burnout before we actually get to that burnout, if you will. Okay. So that, that's one thing that, that you talk about burnout and, and 56 mandatory retirement. You know, like I say, the turnover in this uh, in this career field is pretty limited because it is such a great career. Um, and, and people that do this job truly love the job, so they don't want to leave the job. Instead, we, we kind of have a different kind of a turnover rate in air traffic. And that's when you go from one facility to another facility. Gotcha. And and, and that that's the turnover you see, the internal transfer. And, and sometimes people will go to one facility and not be successful in training. So more than likely, they just go back to their, their old facility. That kind of a, a turnover is what we see most in our career field. Sure. One of the things that uh, sort of led me to you is uh, there is a movie called Pushing Tin, and I'm, I'm sure you've at least heard of it, if not seen it. It's you know, a pretty popular film uh, that does feature uh, people in your position uh, uh, in New York, though not Chicago, but obviously a big market, a big airport. Uh, was there anything you liked or didn't like about it, if, if you have seen it or read anything about it? You know, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Okay. I think every controller's at least seen the movie once. I figure that's one of those. I mean, it's not like there are a ton of movies featuring that position. So Yeah, and, you know, and I remember seeing it, and I thought it was a pretty cool movie. I just, I can't really remember the specifics, but, I, you know, I'd say it's probably like most most books have been made into movies. You know, the books are usually better. <laughs> sure. And I, I would guess they probably, in a way, glor. I mean, every every movie, as you say, a lot of times kind of glorifies either a job or, or some sort of duty. I mean, uh, you know, you say oh, yeah. you're probably kind of in the similar vein there. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, backdraft with firefighters pushing in with air traffic controllers. <laughs> uh, now, for yourself, I mean, do you have any interesting stories? I mean, some sort of really close call or something else that, that potentially happened that you'd uh, like to share with us? Well, I can tell you I haven't seen any UFOs. But, really? Uh, okay. that's. I'm going to jot that down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, seriously, though, uh, NACA recognizes controllers who, who go out and perform above and beyond during some pretty extreme uh, circumstances. Mm-hmm. We call that the uh, the Archie League uh, Medal of Safety Award. Okay. And there's some pretty neat stories there, if you will, that, that talk about how pilots and controllers interact in some pretty hairy situations. Um, one that comes to my mind, uh, you know, it's just one of the shorter, the uh, nine of them that, that got awarded this year. Bill uh, Sullivan down in Tampa, Tower and Tracon, was working an airplane who took off out of uh, Tampa Executive and uh, had some, uh, the pilot had some issues with uh, the controls on his airplane. And, and when you hear the tape or read the, uh, the transcripts, you just, the uh, hair on your back, your neck starts rising up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Bill's trying to vector this guy back to the airport. And, you know, so you, 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 that's, the type of stuff that that you see and and back to you know the the sincere thank you and you hear it in in this kind of a situation that's what i'm talking about and those are the close calls and and whatnot that you'd see on on what i call a daily basis or not a daily basis but you would see throughout air traffic that i i like to talk about it's when we help the pilot and i mean and that's the thing that you you talk about people loving the job that's where you get that thrill of I mean, really succeeding in a way that people probably can't even imagine unless they're in your shoes. That's right. That's exactly it. In terms of uh, uh, financially, because people are always curious about this kind of thing, and you talk about the stress and the pressure that that does come along with it, whether you you try to think about it or not. In terms of compensation, can you give us a ballpark as to what somebody might be looking at if they were interested in this field? You know, let's see, an air traffic controller starting out going to the academy. Right. They're paid approximately $17,000 plus per diem and whatnot. When they graduate or they complete the academy, their pay bumps up to about $37,000. Um, and then after that, your pay is really based on the type of facility you're going to okay. and the traffic volume, the airspace complexity, and that kind of thing. So it, it's a it's a, a pretty wide range at, at some top to bottom, if you will. In terms of, you know, you talk about the turnover moving, you know, maybe different areas or, you know, maybe you move to a different airport or a different facility in some fashion. Uh, is there sort of a hierarchy in terms of, of pay or, or even, uh, you know, the idea of respect? When you, is it just the larger, the, the more respect, the more pay kind of thing? Or are there different tiers, different locations that matter? Oh, well, being from Chicago, I'm going to tell you, Chicago is the top of the hierarchy. Well, obviously. <laughs> my, uh, my gentle friends from New York and Atlanta would, would seem to disagree with me, I'm sure. So, uh, no, you know, I think most people early in their career try to strive to go to a, a higher level uh, facility, such as call it a level 12 facility, whether it's a Tracon or a, a tower or a uh, in-route center. I mean, that that's where I, I think most people try to, to, to go to, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and then some people just say, hey, I don't need all that crazy stress at times. So I'm okay just sitting back here and, and doing my job and enjoying my day, if you will. So if you weren't doing this, if you didn't sort of uh, you know fall into it and then fall in love with it, did you have any aspirations of anything else? Did you think there'd be something else you might be doing that you could think of? You know, I think like most kids, I was uh, growing up, always wanted to be a, uh, a policeman or a fireman. Okay. Um, you know, before I got picked up into this job, I actually uh, did did work for uh, the U.S. Customs for a, a short time before I got picked up here. So, 
if I wasn't doing this, I would probably have to say that I would be uh, back either in, in some form of law enforcement. Cool. Uh, one thing I was curious about also, you, know, you mentioned, obviously, you're communicating with the pilots and, uh, and you hear, you know, as you said, there can be different conversations going on in the room at a time. I guess I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but is there a certain language you guys are using? I mean, is, are there code words? I mean, is there anything you can sort of give us, like an inside scoop kind of thing? Oh, I mean, yeah, we have a, a phraseology that only a pilot and controller can truly understand. Would you be able to give us like a sentence? Like if something was, was happening quickly, would you like just give us something there quick? Uh, <laughs> I know I know, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but I thought it'd be... Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of tough. You sound... Uh, <laughs> You sound weird when you talk to yourself, air traffic, <laughs> you know, for clearing somebody for takeoff, you'd say, you know, Northwest 1249 runway three, two left cleared for takeoff. Uh, you know, it's just kind of, kind of some code things in there. And, and, you know, we use PIREP and NOTAM and, and things like that. We use a lot of acronyms in our job. Right. Right. And, and, and the reason I just thought of that now was that I, you know, I think of, uh, you know, football highlights, you, you, Hear the quarterback in the huddle give you know thirty two razor X Y you know it sounds similar when you when you mention it right there so <laughs> uh, you know, as we look to sort of wrap things up a little bit is there anything else you'd really want to share with those people that are listening maybe it's a someone that's not sure what they want to do yet maybe someone's looking for a career change they want that excitement or that that pressure or they they just are, are drawn to this field in some way what what sort of advice can you give them or what would you really want them to know uh, really before trying to in, endeavor into this area. You know, anybody that really is thinking about joining air traffic control right now uh, really needs to take into account the current sequestration that we have with the academy being closed down um, and the budget cuts that are currently happening. Uh, they need to take a hard look at, at if this is going to be the career field. And if it is going to be a career field that they're thinking about pursuing, uh, you know, one of the things to actually open the career field and help them out is we got to stop the sequestration uh, before it really, truly impacts us. I mean, it really has already. However, after a certain point, it's just going to be uh, almost irreversible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, if somebody is really, truly into wanting to be an air traffic controller, they should really consider con contacting their congressperson and, and, and give them their insights. Hey, this is negatively affecting a career field that I would like to go into. That would be one of the things I'd have to say. Sure. No, and I appreciate the, you know, the sort of the honest uh, take on that as, as someone who's, you know, in that area, understanding what's happening, especially as a representative um, over there in, in Chicago. So, uh, yeah, we, we do appreciate that take on it, the, the unfortunate side of it. But hopefully uh, maybe that could help if, they, if we get an influx of, of individuals contacting the right people over there. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time here on LJN Radio and our podcast, You Do What? Our guest today has been Dan Carrico, the Chicago O'Hare Tower NATCA representative. Again, we appreciate the look sort of behind the scenes and really what it's like to, to be in that position, the things that you enjoy. I'm sure those listening will definitely have a new perspective on flying. So thanks again for your insight today, Dan. You're welcome. Thank you, Tim. And as usual, we encourage all of you listeners to send us any comments or suggestions for any of our shows. Maybe you're curious about some other non-traditional type job. Just send us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. That'll wrap it up for this edition of You Do What here on LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. <laughs>